And then Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat at the last line of defence. And here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Tom, tough Saturday evening that. Yeah it was, um, just me and you again G and uh, you know I think Charlie's been back since the start of the season we, we're 2-0 we're, we've started terribly but luckily back to me and you so back to winning ways from from next week I reckon yeah just the two of us back as ever through thick and thin to review as we touched on there the hugely disappointing 40 points to three defeat at Sandy Park hugely disappointing Tom but was it really surprising no not at all I think you know the, the 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 first game against Newcastle was a definite blip, and we in particular were both very very confident that we'd we'd have enough to to to, to beat Newcastle. Exeter, though, we always knew was going to be probably the toughest game of the season. Extra away at Sandy Park, um, our record against them post 2014 <laughs> is very poor, as we've mentioned. I think four of the occasions out of the the six that we played them at Sandy Park, um, there have been four try bonus points. Um, and I think, gee, as we've we've discussed before, and as we saw in the semi-final, the way they play is just all wrong for us. Mm. Um, we play a similar, I would say, style of rugby. You know, set piece foundation, trying to win the physical encounters and the collisions on the game line, um, and ultimately just build up pressure over the course of the eighty minutes until the dam bursts. It's what we did really well um, in you know the latter stages of the games against Sale and against Gloucester when we were probably playing our, our best rugby of the last few years. But Exeter just do it so well. They're so effective in the the last five meters and the um, and, and their own twenty two as well. Um, and they were just way too strong in in every area. Unfortunately, mm. yeah, it was a good fight night on Saturday night as well. Um, and what's the old expression? Styles make fights. And I think Exeter's style of play, your spot on, Tom, just does not suit Bath trying to do exactly the same, but just a little bit worse. And that is why I think we've had such poor results there over recent seasons. Obviously, 40 points to three on Saturday. I think it was 36-3 in the semi-final mm. and then 57-20 in, in the fixture last season. So, yeah, I think we'll come on to maybe a few positives later. But I think one of the, the main positives to take out of this this game is we've only got to play them once more this season so um yeah we're going to get a little bit more detail about that extra game there's a bit of news Tom to touch on so we haven't done news in a little while so we're going to touch on a few bits of news and then look ahead to what looks already like a must-win game at six ways on Saturday so all that to come on the podcast um thanks for listening this is hopefully your bath rugby therapy uh, we're going to try and tell you that it's not all too bad um but let's get into the the game on on sun, on Saturday evening Tom and I think when you're playing Exeter, you just can't afford to let them inside your 22 easily. And just all too often, we were just let, giving them opportunities to get inside the 22 with the ball. And they're so clinical. It started off with, with Williams just not covering the blind side, uh, Maunder breaking, kicking through, and Joe Thokonasiga just so unaware and taking the ball over for a five-metre scrum. You just can't afford mistakes like that. Yeah, he looked he looked massively off the pace as well. I think the, you know, the first half an hour or so, um, was was deja vu really in that that semi final in that you know we were we seemed we were very committed you could tell that 
um, the, the effort was really there and trying to nullify the the threats that that they offer. But as you say, you can um, batten down the hatches, defend the line, make those massive collisions for minute after minute and tire yourself out. And it only takes one mistake against Exeter. Um, and it very often results in a try. Um, and territorially as well, uh, I think at times we um, were guilty of, of, of doing what we did against Newcastle, playing in the wrong areas of the, the pitch so that when there is a half break or a, or a turnover or a, you know, a speculative cross kick, um, and, and the bounce of the ball does go Exeter's way, which, let's face it, it quite often does. Um, they're a winning side. Everything seems to be be going their their way. But when they do get in that position, it's um, it's so difficult. But that said, you know, I, I do think the the first try was a little bit unlucky. Um, you know, two of the first three tries in, in that in that first half were set piece. The first one off the the scrum, I think we were caught a little bit unawares. Um, I think potentially a plan by Exeter. They were straight on the the front foot, driving forwards. You know, before the ball, straight on the engage, before the the ball had been put in. And you know, when you've got eight hundred kilos, nine hundred kilos of 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 you know eight men all trying to push together, timing is the most important thing. Um, and we were obviously caught a little bit unawares. They their shelf was a little bit too early, and suddenly we're on the back foot, and and that's that first try. So I do think that was um, a little bit unlucky. But but like you say. Um, they probably score in any case from that from that position anyway. Yeah, and whilst they may have got an early nudge on that one, we they had the upper hand in the scrum all day, and so I think yeah. you know it was inevitable that, the, that they scored from from that position. And I think Joe Fokinaziga is probably taking quite a bit of criticism for his performance on on Saturday. I think Charlie sent us a little message saying that he wanted to point that out, um, and I think he did take that over the line there for a five meter scrum when he could have. Uh, let the ball go over the line, touch it down for a 22. And he also did the same in the second half. But it's not just errors like that that are so important. It's the innocuous errors that are so costly against Exeter. It's things like Josh McNally just being a little bit offside in the midfield. Just little instances like that. Penalties in the midfield, which you just can't give away because Joe Simmons is so good at kicking to the corner. He gets it within five metres every time. And then, especially when we refuse to compete at the line out, they're going to push over again, and that's exactly what happened for, for their second try, Tom. A silly penalty on the halfway line. In they go, and inevitably they, they crash over. Yeah. Just th- those small errors, which are just not as costly against other teams, are just magnified so much yeah. against Exeter. And, and you're absolutely right. It's about where you make those errors on the field of play mm. and when you make those errors, mm. um, you know, in terms of how, what the game situation is. We gave away 16 penalties. Oof. Um, which in itself is is really poor, and you know some Exeter kind of make you give away with the pressure, but as you say, some were unforced. But I think the interesting part of that G was that 13 of those 16 penalties were conceded in our own half. Um, we spoke about kicking and playing in the right areas of the game. We also spoke about being whiter than white as the two things you need to have a chance against this Exeter side, and that stat I think is fairly damning for for both those um, both those strategies. Exeter, on the other hand, G so nine penalties. Uh, given away but only two of them in their own half and that's obviously a function of them being dominant and having territory but I also think it's a function of their game plan and their you know they just know how to manage a game and to 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 win a game and part of that is um, knowing when to take risks at the breakdown part of that is um, uh, uh, part of that is just as I say managing uh, the referee and managing where you give away those penalties and make those errors and, and we did that poorly. 
Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Everything which I think we could have done poorly in that game, we, we tried to do poorly. I think for their third try, they just box kick from their, their, their inside their 22. De Gamble fails to field it. The next phase is a cross kick and O'Flaherty kind of hooks, kicks it on and, and scores in the corner. And it's just one error by the Glanville takes it from, and obviously a, a decent piece of skill from from the winger, <laughs> takes it from in their, their ball inside their own 22 to scoring in the far corner. And again, just one simple error, one innocuous error, and we're 21 points to three down. And the game's done. The game's done. And those are the sorts of things that go your way, as I say, not not trying to detract anything from what was an amazing piece of skill. And it, and it was. And, you know, if that had been... Um, Rory McConaughey I think we probably mention it every single week for the the rest of the lifetime of this podcast but um, you know stuff does go your way when you're when you're winning games and when you're confident Um, but as you say 21-3 having you know not played really that badly and probably implemented the game plan that we'd 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 planned um, bar those those couple of mistakes at set piece that we mentioned um, and that's so demoralising because you're then chasing your tails what Mm. do you do the fourth try is inevitable no matter how well you play really um so what do you try and do do you try and go on the the front foot um do you try and kind of stem the flow and and then can you maintain that for 80 minutes no as the t- as, as 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 it turned out so um yeah it, it makes it very very difficult mm. and you, you just can't afford to start poorly um um uh, and give away kind of needless tries as i think we did mm. um in that first half yeah, I think the scrum's an interesting one, Tom. Mm. You, you touched on it. And I think their fifth try comes from the scrum. And it's something we, we struggled with all day and, and also kind of struggled with a little bit last week when it had been such a cornerstone of our of our team and our, of our play prior to or kind of post-lockdown last season. As a resident front rower, can you give us a, a, a gauge on why we're, we're, we're maybe struggling? Is it as simple as we've lost arguably the best tighty in the country <laughs> the resident front rower thing starting to so every time you think I think oh that's me isn't it yeah, it's been about five years or so since um, I uh, packed down and went backwards very quickly um, <laughs> so you've but, got some experience in it yeah some experience and um, yeah I, I was going to come on to that I think um, you know in all honesty uh, and you know don't like to criticise players and it was Henry Thomas's 100th appearance bath, so congratulations to him on that but I, I, I do think that he doesn't quite look back to, to full fitness and, and to be firing on on all cylinders. You know, he's had a very lengthy layout and he's come, a layoff, sorry, and he's come back straight into the starting 15 mm. when, you know, Christian Judge has been playing regularly and, and dealing with that. Isn't that a knock on Christian Judge and, and what they potentially think of, of, of his development? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, when we think back, uh, you know, two or three years, the, the Thomas Cat. Um, mm. partnership was really effective and, and Henry Thomas developed from being a bit of a volatile a penalty um, prone player in his early days at Bath to being a really solid tired prop um, and I think he, he will do so when he gets back to fitness but as I say the work rate I don't think is is quite there in terms of the, the fitness two carries three tackles um, as an output when you compare that to what Will Stewart and Beno Urbano get through um, mm. uh, and, and then also struggling at uh, at scrum time as you said um, yeah, as I say, I think that what he needs is is potentially to earn his place back in the the side. He hasn't had to do that. Um, I think you know on a level play, level playing field, he'd probably have the edge against Chris and Judge if they were both fully firing at this moment in their careers. Mm. Um, but I think he needs to earn that, and I'd like to see 
um, particularly after he's played two weeks on the bounce. I'd like to see Christian Judge get the start and get a bit of a get a bit of a go in that starting title chat. Because hmm, Will Stewart's not coming back. I mean, these England guys, as we've spoken a lot about, they're, they're gone for now for some period of time. Yeah. And Stewart's clearly established himself, quite rightly, as the second-choice tight head for Eddie Jones. So we've got to find a solution. And whether that is trying to give Christian Judge a game against Worcester, as we're going to come on to, I, I think I could definitely see that, Tom. Um, yeah, so their fifth try came from the scrum and, again, let them into the 22 for their sixth try. Six tries, 40 points to three. Um, Bath, bottom of the table, um, three three points scored on the day. Pretty disheartening stuff. It is, yeah. I think the the what Exeter do do really well, as I mentioned, is and Rob Baxter spoke about this in an interview I heard from him. Is they they're they're very conscious that it's an eighty minute game and that teams generally can't live with their physicality and the way they want to to play in your face for 80 minutes and they 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 did the same against Quinns last week and I mentioned it in the preview they build up so much pressure um you're forced to expend all your energy um in defense which we know is the the more tiring side of of playing um, without the ball Um, and then in the last 20 minutes the last 10 minutes they are just dominant um, so yeah, 60 minutes is only 21-3, which you know we both said, we all said last week that that would potentially be respectable-ish. You know that's not even the four try try bonus points, um, and then those 19 points, uh, three tries in that last uh, quarter of the game, and it was all too easy. You know a pushover try um, mm. looked like kind of schoolboy stuff being marched backwards. Um, that was probably harking back to my sort of uh, tight head days, actually, G. Um, uh, and then, yeah, just an overlap, really simple try for for Ian Witten and a um, bit of a kick in the teeth with Oli Devoto kind of running it in and giving the the pass there. Um, and, it, yeah, as you say, just way too easy for those um, fourth, fifth and, and sixth tries. Mm. Um, but ultimately, that's what that's what they do. And we, we, we are just not yet able to to live with them for, for the full 80 minutes. But mm. um, again, I, I would suggest that the scoreboard does potentially flatter them a little bit because for the lot, you know, for significant chunks of the game, we were just about matching them in, um, in, uh, you know, in, in various areas and we were, we were fronting up well. Um, but yeah, that the last 20, it got away from us again. Mm. It's no improvement either from, from the semi-final, I mean, what, Six weeks ago, in fact, it, it, it's evident that that was a, a more a, a worse performance. Whilst Exeter did what Exeter do and and get in range and score, I think we spoke after that semi final of the number of opportunities we actually had in their twenty two and in their five meter line, and it was just silly little errors which meant that we weren't clinical enough. But on on Saturday, we got within their five meter line once, uh, and it's so rarely into their twenty two that, that that I think. That, we, we we never came close to, to scoring any points, which was pretty disheartening. And, and and I think kind of when you play Exeter, your discipline has to be whiter than white. We conceded 16 penalties. You can't cough the ball up easily and give it back. We conceded 20 turnovers. You need to dominate territory. We had 29% territory. You need to have a good set piece. We've spoken about the scrum going backwards. And ultimately, you need to score lots of points. And we scored three. And so... If you're not going to get any of that right, you ain't going to touch the the, the, the Premiership and European champions. No, and that echoes um, what, what Charlie has said, not with us this week, but he sent in a, a message. Um, so I'll just read out some of that. So he says, another crunching loss at Sandy Parks lengthens the time since our 26-year winning streak. I just, want, <laughs> just wanted to get that in again. Um, uh, um, 
uh, where was I? Sorry, I think it's more than that, isn't it? Yeah, 1978 to 2014. 36, Charlie, come on. You're missing a whole decade there, the 80s. Um, uh, and he says, we're thoroughly beaten up, uh, which my main concern after fe- after feeling our pack is our main strength of late, not to mention returning internationals to bolster our front five, which I think is a, is a good point. Mm. Um, you know, Tom Dunn and Charlie Yule's top tacklers, very industrious as you'd expect, but um, ultimately kind of not, not enough. Um, and he says, worries also continue regarding Big Joe. Um, he asks you, um, does a long-term injury cause you to forget how to hold on to a ball? I'd like to see him say that with Big Joe in the room. Um, and he seems to undo every positive run with an error, two steps forward, two steps back. Yeah, um, I mean, Joe had, I think, most metres for many Bath players. I think he had 96 metres. And he had one really nice break around the outside, which got us in towards their 22. And then as Charlie kind of alludes to there drops it from in contact and, and and that's the kind of opportunity wasted so yeah another poor performance from Joe who, who really looks devoid of any confidence I think kind of those two errors carrying the ball over the line were, were, were a guy who just wasn't confident in his game and when he's getting the ball previously he looked like he could beat anyone whereas now he just looks like he's a step off so um hopefully because he's, he's going to be about, by the looks of things, he, he's out of favour with England. Hopefully he regains some of that form and, and can become a huge... And he will. He because will. There's uh, no doubt Rocco about that. on the bench. Yeah. And so... And, you know, it might, it might be a similar point to I was making about Henry Thomas. You know, does he now need to earn his his spot with other guys who um, have, have played when he's been out injured, with other guys um, uh, playing well? I think Rocco's looked really sharp this so far this season when he's come on. So does mm. he need to earn his place um, back in the side? Um, as opposed just to being being given it on on talent and promise, and and maybe the answer to that is um, is yes, and that will put some um, well, well not far in his belly because there will obviously be far in his belly and desire to um, to improve. But will that kind of focus his mind on what he needs to do rather than taking his position for granted? Maybe that's right. Um, Stuart Hooper's I think very effective at managing um, people and managing um, uh, kind of uh, people from a, from a mental from a psychological point of view, um, uh, and I think that will potentially be what he he decides to do for, mm. for him as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fascinating team selection, actually, when it comes to, to Worcester, which we're definitely going to come on to. Um, just before we try and find uh, some positives from this game, Tom, and, and I reached out to you guys, the listeners, on Twitter, at Bath Rugby Plug, to help us with some positives. So we're going to include those um, in a little minute. But just before I do... I kind of want to address um, some of the the negative stuff that was going on Twitter. I think towards the end of uh, of that game, and I think it's important to have in context that we were in a semi final a mere six weeks ago. But yet the attitude on Twitter kind of seems to be that this is going to be more of the same for Bath this season, and there's already some hugely disgruntled fans. So, for example, Prop Life GB says it's not as simple as a bad day at the office. Things need to change. No club ethos, no coherent playing strategy, no recruitment strategy, no one capable of inspiring a turnaround. Years and years of mediocrity and too many people just willing to accept it. Tom, are we being too kind here? Are we just rolling over and willing to accept what is another terrible display at Sandy Park? No, I, yeah. Uh, you, you, well, as you're well aware, I don't, I don't buy into any of that. As you say, um, it, it has been poor. Exeter, it, it was a... 
um, you know, a bitty disappointing performance against some one of our closest rivals, and it's always going to hurt. And it certainly did on on Saturday. Um, I think the Newcastle performance is is kind of more um, more damning. Although I would note that they beat Sale um, and are showing who you know who are another kind of contender for the for the top four this season. Um, they beat Sale. Um, on on Friday in a in a cracker, so I think they're still kind of riding <laughs> a cracker, a cracking finish, I should say, um, a cracking finish with Toby Flood, the new Andy Goode. Yeah, it was a terrible game, wasn't it? Um, uh, yeah, um, what was I saying? Yeah, they you know they're showing some form, so maybe that kind of um, uh, vindicates us a little bit in terms of that that first season, that that that, that opening result of uh, mm. the season, but. You know, I think picking up some of those points, no direction. I think, you know, the club set out a fairly clear direction on what they want to do in terms of coaching, in terms of um, recruitment as well. Whether or not you agree with that is another argument, but I think that the direction's there. I think the recruitment's been, 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 been over the last six months or so or whatever, that has been better than, um, you know, almost as long as I can remember with guys like Ben Spencer, Cam Redpath coming in, real players for the, for the future, as you say, top four um, some cracking wins, uh, best wins in years over the last six months, um, and yeah, a really bad start to the season. Um, but but yeah, I think you know my message would just be keep the faith. Um, you know, thick and thin. Um, the players are, are really going to be hurting. We actually had a message mm. G from um, friend of the podcast. Uh, uh, Josh Matavesi, um, who who uh, he he said what a what a kind of tough couple of weeks it had been, but but um, that kind of you know we all as Bath fans need to keep the faith. It doesn't help the players, it doesn't help um, the morale of the club, and it doesn't help you know any of us really to uh, I think um, kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater in the way that I think that tweet does. So um, that will be yeah that 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 would be how I look at it. Yeah, and I think it's important that when the club does get stuff wrong, we, we criticise that because yeah. as fans, we need to recognise that there will be times when, when I think the club does deserve that that kind of critical look at it. But I think after two games of a season, when we've played the best team in Europe and a team which has gone and caught two of last season's top five out cold, I think trying to be overly critical now is kind of bizarre. And I think trying to look then at the positives from Twitter, Chris Horn backs up what you said, Tom. So we've lost two, but Falcons have beat a sale this week. So that puts our loss in some perspective. Quinn's got smashed by Exeter last week, but looked great this week. So maybe Exeter are just much better than everyone else, which I think is exactly right. I think, um, David Current also points out that being bottom of the table, the only way is up, which um, I think if we stayed down there, we'd be going down, David. But yeah, I guess that's certainly one way of looking at it. Uh, And finally, I think I alluded to earlier, Matt Hutchins points out that we've only got to play extra once more this season. We've only got to listen to those patronising laughs when they score a try and honking. We've only got to listen to that stupid chant one more time. And we've only got to see that smug um, owner in Tony Rowe one more time. So, yeah, certainly that's one thing that I'm uh, taking from uh, this week. Um, and also... It's not like me, you. <laughs> I know. I really did rile me up a little bit on Saturday. So glad we won't have to hear or lit or watch Exeter uh, against Bath again this season. Only one more time, as I say. 
Um, and another positive, Tom, is 2,000 fans are going to be in the rack. Um, so, yeah, as of our next home game, uh, which is against Scarlets, Scarlet, I think, yeah. in, the, in, in the Champions Cup, will be 2,000 fans in the rack. So um, at least 2,000 fans can actually watch the, uh, the, the game in person and hopefully uh, watch the turnaround in person, which is definitely a positive. Moving on to some news then, Tom, uh, and some news from not a Bath player, which is uh, quite surprising for the Bath rugby plug. Oh, he is a Bath player. But in spirit, of course, a Bath player, Matt Banahan uh, announced, I think yesterday, Sunday, uh, that he was retiring. Well, this would be his last season as a player for Gloucester, obviously, at the moment. Uh, 100 tries in 264 games for Bath. He's six on the list of all-time Prem scorers. Uh, 71 tries which isn't bad for a lock forward Bart's highest ever try scorer as well Tom an, an absolute legend yeah what a what a journey um, I think for, for Matt Banahan you know the the jersey juggernaut um, uh, uh, second row as he, as he started out as you said um, came across um, Bath kind of signed him up saw the the, um, the, the dazzling feet and um, offloading ability um, that would make him um, uh, you know, uh, a winger and a centre came over to Bath. Had, you know, all those, um, all those appearances, all those tries, as you say, um, our top try scorer by, uh, you know, by uh, by by some distance, I think, ahead of Rocco Aguni. I think is in mm. is in second. Um, always, I know it's a cliche we say about all players, but genuinely always played with his his heart on his sleeve. Would play in any position <laughs> that you wanted him to on the pitch, and did. Used to make it work. Um, yeah, so many good memories of him being at fullback, for example, uh, picking up the ball and scuffing it about sixty-five meters um, down down the field. In um, you know how he used to do that, I'll never know. But yeah, um, real club legend, as we said when he um, when he did decide to to go over to, to Gloucester a couple of seasons ago. Um, and I I get a you know I've got a funny feeling. Um, you know, looking on social media at some of the responses that that he was um, he was he was writing to the message of goodwill. I don't think this is the end of his time in in rugby. Um, what capacity that will be in, um, I, I don't know. But um, you know, he still lives in Bath with his with his wife and, and children, um, and he'd be he'd be very very welcome anyway in my eyes, mm. even from just a nostalgic point of view, um, to 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 join up and you know in, in some capacity at the club. Yeah, I mean, a legend on and off the pitch. I think what sums Matt Banahan up best is that when he announced his his retirement, I think almost every Bath fan then could tweet a photo saying, thanks for all the memories. And then a photo of them and Matt Banahan. seems like almost everyone has got a selfie with them and Matt Banahan, which just shows how much time he had for the fans and also how long he played for, for, for the club. A, a true great. And I think we started this podcast uh, after he'd left. And so I don't think... We we ever quite celebrated how much of a legend he was um so this is guess our opportunity to say thank you to to, to, to all he did for the club yeah. and hopefully um we'll be welcoming him back in in some sort of capacity absolutely um another bit of news then tom is uh, a current bath player beno urbano uh has released uh, or been involved in a, a documentary mm. called everybody's game I think about a kind of discussion about the perception of, of race and class within uh, within rugby. I haven't yet watched it, so it's your job, who has watched it, to, to sell me on it. Yeah, well, it's just it was just a really interesting um, documentary. It's clear that he's put in a lot of work. He was involved in kind of producing it and and directing it 
as well. Mm. Um, yeah, it's on Amazon, Amazon Prime. So you know, we've all got you that. Should have that well. given. Yeah, the, obviously they've been showing the the Autumn Nations Cup. Um, yeah, and I think it's it's kind of required watching really for for any rugby fan. It's really professionally put together. Um, as you say, um, it kind of follows the the stories um, of five players. So Maratoji. Um, Bio Allo of, of, of proper wasps, Ellis Genge, Watson, and Abano himself, um, and kind of looks at what um, is changing um, in terms of um, um, you know getting um, ethnic minorities um, into to rugby and and why they are underrepresented um, at the moment, um, and also kind of looks at, at, at what has changed over the last twenty years, and, and the answer is that you know progress has been has been um, has been really really good. Um, in the you know two decades or so since rugby has become professional, but it is still a relatively new professional game compared to oh. to other sports, um, and there is uh, a long way to to go. Um, you're a fan of NFL G, and they they drew quite a few really interesting comparisons actually. So seventy percent of um, the current NFL roster is is African American. Um, in the Gallagher Premiership, it's less than ten percent um, oh. uh, representation. Um, and the UK actually has a higher proportion of um, uh, um, Black and Asian minority ethnics than um, the, the, the than African Americans in the US. So um, you know, quite a staggering statistic, I think that, and um, probably something that you know mainstream media doesn't really report on in the way that that that, mm. that should be. Um, and so from that point of view, it does a really great job, I think, in, in raising awareness um, as a bar fan as well. And with Watson and Benno heavily involved, um, you know, they clearly had a lot of fun in doing it and and, um, and working on it. Um, and it's a, yeah, a really entertaining, but also, I think, informative, informative watch. So, yeah, I would, I would certainly um, recommend it to anyone. Yeah, cool. I'll be checking that out this week. And um, yeah, get in touch with us with your thoughts about that documentary. Uh, and of course, any other thoughts you have about the blue, black and white. Tom, you mentioned briefly uh, the NFL there. And uh, a bit of news that we missed a couple of weeks ago is that Bath have signed Alex Gray, who himself spent, I think, three seasons on the practice squad of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, what did you kind of make of, the, you of can, this signing? As I say, I know nothing about NFL, so I'll pass. I'll pass that one. I'll pass that one back to you, Joe. I was interested to hear what your thoughts on it, actually. No, he's uh, so he played. Uh, I think for Newcastle yeah. and uh, London Irish was it? I think uh, prior to trying to make it in in the NFL. So in 2016, he went out there uh, as did Christian Wade. I think more uh, uh, kind of. More famously, Christian Wade went out there a couple of seasons ago, and and basically they get um, tr- specialist treatment whereby they're afforded uh, a, a, an extra teams are afforded an extra position on their practice squad for uh, what's known as an international pathway player. So Alex Gray filled this role uh, on the Atlanta Falcons for for three seasons, never made it to the active. 53-man roster, which play on on Sundays. Um, So, obviously, he was probably favoured by this international pathway programme and may not have stayed on the practice squad for as long as he did, but clearly it's a very complex game and one which he would have spent a lot of time trying to pick up. And I think from from Barr's point of view, trying to find these guys from from different different backgrounds in terms of their their professional rugby and also professional uh, sporting careers is is a hugely um, 
wise thing to do. We saw with Roy McConaughey just how successful it can be taking someone from from non-traditional ways of getting into a, a, a premiership team. So traditionally it'd be from the academy or from the championship. Taking guys from, from other areas as sevens can be hugely beneficial. So I really, really welcome this signing. And it's kind of a free hit because if he can bring with him some of that experience that he, he would have learned in the NFL and some of that kind of confidence and, 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 and perseverance that he would have brought. I think he can be hugely, um, uh, hugely it's a hugely low-risk signing for, for Bath. Yeah, I think, you know, he, he's clearly looking as his bio and his, his career today. I don't know if you're NFL, as I say, but in rugby itself, you know, he was a um, real prospect in, in, in his time in rugby. He was captain of England under 16, under 18 and under 20 and led them to, to Grand Slams mm. um, as part of those those age group teams. Um, he was also part of England Sevens in um, mm. in 2013. So um, uh, obviously has that kind of exposure as well. Um, and the interesting thing I think will be where he um, is is going to play within the, within the team. So when he was playing... Um, uh, rugby union he was um, generally played open side flanker um, I believe was he a, a linebacker is that right <laughs> no, I think he was a tight end oh was he um, what is that is that essentially like a runner or a so yeah they um, they they block run and catch it's kind of like a hybrid attacking position um, one where yeah so I, I think based on that he'll probably um, be looking to play in, in the centre that's what that's what I mean so yeah. we might have a um, a convert who can play flanker and or centre and we know how well that works don't yeah. we what um, could go wrong yeah exactly um, so yeah just as you say nothing to lose really there um, uh, you know a lot of upside and, and, and no no real downside at all so um, uh, yeah I think uh, uh, definitely another exciting uh, another exciting signing um, along with Will Muir who um, mm. is training but we still haven't seen as well yeah, and someone I think Hooper spoke about that they've been monitoring for some monitoring for some time, and clearly now he's made the decision to to give up on his NFL dream, I guess. So yeah, I think Bath are, are wise to to give him a shot. Um, you know, I think it will take him some time to 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 bed in and and familiar re-familiarise himself with the game. So certainly won't see him this weekend against Worcester Tom, which we're going to talk about uh, now. Bath travelling two six ways. Uh, a team who we've got a, a pretty good record against. Um, so we've won 26 of the last 31 meetings, uh, swept them both home and away last year, and have lost just twice in the last 14 encounters. So unlike the dismal record we had against Exeter Chiefs, this one shapes up, historically speaking, a little bit better for us. Yeah, and I mean, you know, looking just at just at recent history, um, beat them comfortably back in September towards the latter yeah. part of the season at the Rec, and beat them forty points to to fifteen, um, and that was a particularly entertaining game and um, you know a classic fly half performance from um, Josh <laughs> Matavesi with um, with a cross kick. Um, uh, uh, I can't remember who scored that. I think it might have been Tom Ellis or or, or some cross kick, and then um, the uh, the famous um, massive dummy came out. No one bought it um, like Thomas Lavanini on on this particular occasion, but didn't matter. Kind of boshed off um, the two Worcester forwards and, and went under the stick. So um, yeah, that was a you and know he was, he was grubbering to touch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what what a time that was! Great, what a great time that was. But I think the interesting thing is, G, that you know mm. we, we're not going to have internationals back, and um, you know we're 
we know that we're you know positions where we're we're missing guys and and we know that that, that has you know has had a big big impact based on the first couple of games. But looking at the team that that played against Worcester, um, so none of the um, actually international guys were involved in that mm-hmm. particular game. So it was kind of more of a um, not second string, but it was a slightly weakened weakened side. So um, you know Boyce Walker and Judge in the in the front row. Um, for example, Chudley and, and Matavesi, and Max Clark got got a run out as well. Um, Gabe Hammer Webb as well. So it was a it was a um, a younger side, and we still um, did a, a really impressive job on a Worcester side that is fairly unchanged mm. from that point, just in September to to now. Um, so we should be, I think, confident um, confident against um, against Worcester. Obviously, we don't seem to be showing the the same kind of form. Um, uh, that, that we did last season, um, but you know Worcester haven't exactly started strongly either. You know, scraping past London Irish at home by one point in the mm. in the opener, um, and then um, losing fairly handily um, to to Bristol Bears um, after they kind of ran right in the last sort of quarter of the game there. So um, I think personally, you know, one to be one to be confident about going in. But I think, as you said, selection is going to be mm. um, going to be really interesting. Um, uh, you know how do we manage um, the the risk rewards um, against against the Worcester side when we know that we have all these games um, coming up on on the trot? Mm. Well, I think they kept it close against against Bristol. It, it was sixteen thirteen with with twelve minutes left, and Worcester were denied a try to make, which would have made it twenty points to sixteen uh, for a, a knock on in the tackle. Which you need to go and watch it, it was never a, a knock on in the tackle. So that should have been twenty points to thirteen. And yeah, in the first game against London Irish. Uh, Paddy Jackson actually missed a penalty late on to win that game, so clearly not a, a flying start from from the Warriors. But they dominated at scrum time, so both of London Irish's props were taken off on the half an hour mark. Uh, Ethan Waller and Nick Shonnet really did a job on the the London Irish front row on that day. So that's definitely an area that they'll be targeting. Um, Searle and Huhard, their halfbacks, are two really experienced guys, and Ted Hill and Matt Kavesic in the back row are definitely going to present us with some challenges, Tom. So um, I love to be optimistic, but there are definitely areas of the game where I, I can kind of almost see this going wrong. Didn't we dominate them at uh, scrum time in that particular game? Yeah, I think we were dominating everyone at scrum time towards the back end of last season. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think you're right. You know, there, there are clearly some some threats. I think in the back row, Ted Hill's really accomplished, as you say. Um, so is Kvesic, and I think we're going to have to be more accurate in terms of what we, you know uh, our breakdown game so supporting guys and getting the clear out really accurate and, and mm. clean um, and in defence also knowing who and when should be going for that jackal um, and where on the field as well because um, you know that in my mind the decision making there is has not been good enough at mm. all and when you get guys um, you know like Kvesic who I think was like top turnovers um, in the premiership at the weekend when you get guys like him um, who know all the tricks of the trade at the the breakdown? Um, you know, I think it, it, that's definitely an area of, of focus. Um, yeah, but I always think where are where are we with this Bathrobe side? You know, I think that there are threats for sure, but I, I will I will start to become more concerned. Yeah. I think with this game, if we're not able to to turn it around, the the last two games, you know, I don't want to make excuses, but you can justify why. Um, both those losses came about. Um, I think, yeah, this is one where um, going into 
you know, a potentially a bit of a, a break um, with the, the Champions Cup, depending on where our priorities are. I think this is one that we really need to, to, to try and target as a, you know, a decent win. Yeah, we've got to win. We've got to win. Alarm bells will be ringing if, if we don't pull this one off, Tom. 2,000 fans in attendance for, for Worcester as well, which uh, will obviously be great to see in terms of progress in this pandemic. But from a bar point of view, I reckon that can only lift uh, Worcester. But surely, surely, surely uh, we'll have enough uh, to beat Worcester because if we don't, as you say, Tom, it will be huge alarm bells. Any other points uh, you want to make on that game? I don't think so. I mean, you know, all I would say is that, you know, we had the cross kick, we had the the, the try from 40 metres. It was a really entertaining game, 40 points. Um, you know, what will it be? Um, what's on the cards this time? Let's, uh, let's try and get to 50. And um, how many dummies can we can we throw in the meantime? Yeah. Yeah, come on, Bath. Let's have a really strong performance and, and get this season back on track. Thank you so much for listening. We hoped we tried to soothe some of your fears uh, around this uh, this bar side at the moment it will get better I'm convinced of that as David Current said it can only get better we can only go up mm. so um, <laughs> yeah that's definitely at least one positive to take thank you so much for listening uh, subscribe uh, review and most importantly please share it with your friends if you've got that bath rugby friend in your life then please share it with them um, spread the word and join in the conversation at bath rugby plug across all socials enjoy the rugby this weekend and stick behind the boys through thick and thin.